Hey, Pride fam. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Pride the Podcast. Featuring extra special guest, artist, and writer, Jenny Layden. So grab yourself a treat and take a little time to hang with Pride. Welcome back, guys, to a brand new episode of Pride the Podcast. I'm Darrell Anthony. I'm Ashley Mitchell. I'm Adam Andrew Rios. I'm Aya Onike Cummings. And Braden Bradley is not here today, but he'll be back joining us here at the table soon. Thank you to our friends over at Rehab Entertainment, Teresa and John, for bringing us back for an all-new episode. Excited today to have on artist and writer... Jenny Layden. I'm super excited to talk to her about her book. This is going to be it's going to be transformative. I know it. So I can't wait till we get to that. But before we do, let's do a little catch up, guys. How's everyone been doing? Um, doing well. I well. Have COVID. Oh, oh shit. Adam, you sound well, let's, I was going to say, let's open the show right. Uh, so whoop it. We have a video from whoop it. Right. Um, <laughs> whoop it. Let everybody know how you're doing. <laughs> Hi, whoop. Uh, hello. Is this a political stunt? <laughs> Right. I thought you got the shots. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately, I think I, yeah, I caught that new strain that's going around. Yeah. Um, but it's good. Uh, somebody it's told me that the new strain was milder. And... Yeah, I didn't feel like crazy sick. Like it was genuinely just like an allergy kind it of situation. feels like a little cold. Like, yeah. Yeah, I just thought it was a little cold. Um, the only reason why I went and got tested was because my nose was so stopped up that I was like, I can't smell um, anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, let me just. And um, yeah, they were like, well, your test came back positive. So please stay away from Everyone. old people and babies. <laughs> old ladies so and slobs. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, literally old ladies and sluts. <laughs> Why am I right. the old lady? Well, do you want to be the slut? I don't know. Sure. Okay. <laughs> what? I said, I don't know. Maybe Ashley's the baby. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. I'm I guess you <laughs> I'm just a baby. <laughs> You're the no, no damn baby. You ain't my damn daddy. Uh, I am your daddy. No, you're not my daddy. Uh, no, yeah, daddy. I'm, no, I'm your daddy. No, you're not my daddy over there. <laughs> you are silly. Uh, um, well, Adam, I hope you get well. Yeah. I actually went myself and took a COVID test. I was like, I need to see. I went to the hospital and the doctor was like, He's like, let me give you a PCR. He put that thing because they had stopped doing like the whole all the way up the nose to the brain kind of thing. And they had kind of like did the little swiping. No, ma'am. It's back. They put that thing to my brain. Like, I know it squished my brain. Like it hurt so bad. And like literally like my nose started just bleeding. He was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, it, like he, they went far back. He said, but the good Did it really? Yes, ma'am. He said, but the good news is, is that we'll find out what's going on and if you have anything and so flu came and back and also we'll find out if you have brain cancer correct yeah <laughs> everything was tested I said I, I said can y'all use whatever sample you just pulled out to test my entire body You're right because that's wild um but that's it, how deep he went he went he went well I mean now that's that's something we can get on and talk about I, you know what maybe I'll talk to Jenny later about us writing a book about like something because I've been telling Ashley I'm gonna do a sex podcast and so maybe I can mm -hmm. talk to Jenny about not a not like 
I ain't turned this one into one. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but maybe I can like talk to Jenny about maybe like you know treating the world to like my blowjobs because you know I do those sometimes. Ashley, what you been up to? <laughs> Not giving blowjobs. Well, that's your problem. You graduated from the school of girls of Durrell. Durrell School of Girls. You you were great. I want to give you a round of applause. Oh, thank you, you so did much. Good. You did good you with know? your studies. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of I congratulations. Because I rarely show up to class. Not an incomplete. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll be missing school, going to Starbucks. I'm like, bitch, can you get to class? But I'll be there, I'll be there. she's down for the field trips. Well, at least she says. Yeah, no, I don't love the field trips. She's like, I want the. I don't want to sit in class. I want to be out. Right, 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 right. Because what you do is, you do, you learn by doing. That's how you do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. Um. Well. Um. I got a little little gig or whatever, a little job or something. I don't know. A little job. A little jobby job. All right, it's not. It's not. It. It's not like a permanent thing. It's just like a, a two three month gig kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I'll be working mm-hmm. on the the political show, the circus that's on Showtime. Okay. So I'll be. You better be yeah. to run for his money. I, right. Exactly. I'm about to be so savvy and up to date on everything that me and Braden can go back and forth all day. I'm so excited for this. Yes. You know who like guests will be? Like, how, how does the show give everyone, for those who may not know about the show, a little bit about what the show's about? I mean, it just goes like the, we're going to be following like the political uh, campaign that's coming up. And mm-hmm. so it just shows a lot of like basically what's happening each week because that's the unique thing about this show is they shoot, edit, and air within a week. So everything is very like, oh, fat- wow. yeah, everything's doing like be- Glee used to do. Very fast paced. And so, you know, it's just going to be like, um, like clips of like what's been going on and interviews with different people and their opinion on what, like what's going on. So. That's good. Well, congratulations to you. And I know that's going to be exciting. That's a different, I mean, you hit, you hitting another network. It's on Showtime. It is. So that's going to be fabulous. Oh, yes. So. I told you like the big ones. I know. I told her. Well, that's part of Darrell's class. You always get the big ones. I told Ashley though. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna let my class now, go. You can't take Actually, credit for everything that happens I'm, in my life, no, Darrell. Well, I'm, I'm gonna let my class go. But <laughs> I did tell Ashley. I said, "Now, friend, if they hire for any like uh, office work, let me know because you know I am available." For those of you who don't know, ten lifestyle management can get fucked, and Ooh. I'm available. Ooh, okay. I meant that. Um. Yeah. Well, you the know I'm gonna ask every week. Darrell talks about his unemployment. He says worse and worse things about him. <laughs> yeah, because he's more and more distant from it. Yeah, I'm more he's and more distant. More I actually sent in my exit interview, like I, because I did it, but I also like did a written one. You just wrote get fucked. Okay. I, honestly, no, no, no. I actually, I actually was, I actually was told, and I'm not gonna use names, obviously, because I would never do that because lawsuits. But I was told that I actually wrote one of the best and and provided one of the best exit interviews that has ever been seen. So. And I was very eloquent. Like I didn't, I did say one curse word, but I, I didn't, I didn't let my anger overtake my message. And sometimes we no, just have to be careful. No, you know careful. why? Because that's for Glassdoor. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I'm going to get on now when I have time. But you know what? I don't have time for it because we've moved on and we're moving right along to Aya. What's been going on with you? Nothing. Sometimes I regret not writing bad things about my old job on Glassdoor. Well, there's never and too. Ne- you're never too late. I was life. like, which job? The one that we shared? <laughs> no, X. 
actually, because I am unemployed at the moment, and I was like, Ashley, should I go back to JV and Ashley? Was like, no. I said, no. Unless it's unless it's unless it's a position of respect. What at a higher salary at JG could I possibly? Work you would have to take Philippe's job. Well, well, in order I, to get well I was going to say the head of reservation. Like you would have to get something, but but There's also no such thing as head of reservation. Well, you could create the title director of yeah. Yeah, I, I believe JG did that all the time. Like just create yeah, yeah. A, a title. I mean, listen. Sometimes um, if you tell me why. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. Tell me why when I was at Hotel Alexander, may they rest in pieces. There were two people that worked in the office. One was Evan, who was the general manager. He was the worst. The worst. And then there was Heather (laughs) Sandoval, who was director of marketing. Ooh, a We had. There was no marketing happening. No, that's why it closed. Yeah, so I was just like, "Why do you have this title, girl? You're not even doing marketing. You're well, just a reservationist." Well, fu- <laughs> well, fu- <laughs> well, fu- well, funny story like uh, about that, Adam. Like that's something I learned. Like being a freshly unemployed, as I'm going to apply for jobs. You know, I spent nine years of my life in a place. You know, with all of these made up positions, and yeah. and mm-hmm. as I go out in the world and I'm trying to apply for jobs, I'm like. Well, partnership manager is a real position, so I can just go apply for a partnership manager. So when I have an interview, I had an interview like months ago before I quit. I mean, before I was laid off. And I had um, an interview months ago for a partnership manager. And when they were interviewing me and talking to me about the duties and everything, I was like, I don't do none of that shit right now. Like, like it's just interesting because when you the danger you have when you're trying to further your career is when you're at a job who makes up you know, job titles and job duties, then when you go to a real company, they're like, what that's not going to serve you nowhere in the world like, so sir, this isn't a th- real job so right so so it's so that's been very hard for me to like <laughs> deal with when going out there looking for a job because i'm like i don't think i know anything i feel dumb as a rock yeah I, girl Aww. i Same. hear you thankfully my you know my new job was right up my alley because like the same i was like i don't have any trade skills mm-hmm. like i don't know how to fix i can't be a plumber i can't be an electrician I can't. Why you go that first? Not that those jobs are bad, but just I can't do anything. No, because those are the those are typical trades. Yeah, that, right, like, right. You learn like out of work. school. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I don't know. But I think we undervalue ourselves because it just when we were in it, it all seemed like beat bullshit. Like you know, when we were PAs at, at Love and Hip Hop and shit like that. But I've told you this before. I feel like all those little odd jobs that we had have prepared us for like the grown up jobs that we have now. And now it's just like, oh, I don't freak out in like any given situation or I can maybe like fiddle with a copier or like I can, you know, I know how to organize a party or, you know, whatever have you. Yeah, that and, you know, because of this podcast, I've learned more like tech and audio and Mm -hmm. IT yeah like things that work that come mm-hmm. up that i'm like oh i can figure this <laughs> yeah, out you, can fiddle you, you don't you don't need to like wait for the it person right. who's handling something maybe bigger to come over and roll their eyes when they just click a button <laughs> right you know, it's just like that part i do have a librarian at work that does come to me first because she's like i hate going to steven because 
he just makes me feel dumb. He's condescending. Oh. I mean, I, I, I listen, like, IT that's people... That's such a shame, because Steven's such a sweetheart, and he's very nice. You know, he does have a little cold exterior, but... Mm. I mean, most know. most IT people do, and I, I talked to a lot of IT people that I worked with at 10, and they said the same thing. They were like, it's because... And, and, and this one IT guy I work with, I won't say his name, but he was like, I really hate it that I make people feel that way. He said, I try my best not to. He said, but as someone, he said, I studied in that field. I grew up in that field. He said, when someone asks a dumb, easy question, he said, they don't train IT people how to like respond and like, oh yeah, let me help you with that. It's almost like they a, should. all you got to do is click a button. And he was just like, but thankfully he said, I've learned by people here to get better with that. And so he did get better over time. And he was just like, yeah, what, what can I help you with? Yeah. Because in the beginning it was just like, all you got, like, let me let me finish what I'm doing or stop what I'm doing, which is a huge, complicated thing to come over and just click one button and hit this button so you can Help go you back. print this paper, L- paper like, out. Like, can right. you not do it? Because it's like when they send you the email telling you what to do, it's like, damn, I'm dumb. I can't understand nothing of this email. But also that could be the right. weed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but also I feel like you do have to have patience for, like, people that are older. Yeah. Like, you know. Are the... we those people? No, no. Okay. I think, like, yeah. I think. Uh, I think millennials can, are kind of split. Some people are really tech savvy and some people just kind of, it, I think it depends on where you fall on like the spectrum. But I know that like our like parents. And I'm Gen our... Z. I'm very savvy. <laughs> yes. Sure. Sure, Jan. We'll let, the, we'll, we'll let that rock. We'll move on. I was born in 2008. Right. right. <laughs> what does that make you? A fetus? <laughs> Damn, Ashley. <laughs> get a get a Jade. Get her one more time. Get a Jade. <laughs> just get her one more time. No, but anyways, I was just saying, IT tech guys, especially when it comes to older people, like in the office and stuff, they definitely need to have patience. Because yeah. I know that my mom personally has like sometimes been afraid, and you too, Adam. She's like, I don't want to ask Adam. I don't want to ask you because I don't want y'all to think I'm dumb or bothering you. And I'm like, Mom, it's fine. Just like ask me the question. Like I get it. Sometimes technology hates me. And like, yeah. even though I'm doing all the instructions, it, nothing works. Nothing works. You know, I, I, uh, yeah. today, um, as, as we're, you know, recording this episode, um, it is the two year anniversary of grace who passed away. Everyone knows I've talked about grace. She's very important to me. And I remember one of the last things we were working from home and her big thing was, is like, she was struggling to do like, um, I think it was some Excel stuff and then changing like some offer cards and stuff and nobody would help her. And I remember thinking at the time in the back of my mind, I was like, Ooh, Grace, this is so easy. But I cherish that I did not come off or act like you're getting on my nerves or I'm bothering you. You're bothering me. I went in and I changed it and I left and I know the card's still there cause 10 ain't gonna change it cause they're lazy, but the card still says it's Grace Lambert slash Darrell Anthony. So let's probably say that forever. Um, because I mean, you want to make sure you're helping people because, Somebody has to help our parents. Somebody has to, you know, it's 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 kind of a thing. And, you know, yeah. parents are parents and people that you love are very important, which is why I'm super excited to talk to Jenny coming up next. This story um, is very important. I know to her father. We can't wait to delve into that. Yeah. So, guys, go refill your drinks, get whatever you need and come back for an amazing conversation with Jenny Layton. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Yay. I'm so excited. All right. We have a extra special guest with us today we have artist and writer jenny layden hi jenny hi hi how are you jenny i am well though it is so hot outside it's confusing that it's the fall season and it's like 98 degrees at night yeah it's like second summer 
Yeah, it's 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 getting to <laughs> yeah. a point where I can't handle it. Um, Ashley and I were walking outside earlier to run an errand, and I just stopped talking. I was like, I can't talk until we're in some place with air. So like, we have to just we have to stop speaking. Like it's too hot yeah, to yeah. have a conversation. Yeah, my brain turns I, just right off. I yeah. just can't. I think. picked the best time to have a sick week. Like, so <laughs> did not have to leave my my room, and I got to avoid the the heat wave. The heat wave. So <laughs> yeah. Whew. Silver linings, people. Lucky you. Right. Question mark? (laughs) So, Jenny, you're in New York? I'm in Philadelphia, but Ah. I I did live in New York for 20 years, but now I'm in Philly. Oh, nice. We love Philly. We we come to Philly. We used to go to Philly, actually, a lot. Yeah. Um, Kind of when we first- In our 20s. In our our, our early 20s. (laughs) I mean, you couldn't catch us not in Philly or Atlantic City. We we, we treated those places quite nice. (laughs) Yeah, I actually spent a bunch of time in Philly this summer, but I wasn't yeah. partying. That's good. That's, <laughs> that's how it should be. <laughs> you should be going and looking yeah. at, you know, historical sites and things, which is what we should have done, but we could never wake up for it because hungover. <laughs> this was your 20s, but now we're in our 30s. But now we are, we have grown and we have changed and it's, it's great. So Jenny, when is the last, so what, what all did you catch us up on and catch our listeners up? What did you do this summer? And then we're going to learn a little oh. bit more about you. What, did, what was your summer like? We've told you our blackout summer summers. Like? I had like a few little getaways. Uh, I was able to do two works, two weeks of remote working, which is lovely and just kind of go wherever. So I went to upstate New York a few times. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've just been getting ready to launch this book. So it's kind of like the end stages of pregnancy where you're just like, I was just oh, going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can't think about anything it. else. And this is what's happening. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And it just launched this week. So it's really been like the last two to three months have been like a heavy, heavy PR and just kind of getting a lot of things ready to go and events planned and things like that. So it's been it's been great, um, but I've been busy and I, I work full time. So on top of that, um, it's kind of two jobs. So it was a two job. A summer. lot. Booked, busy and blessed. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, it feels great. And I'm super excited to have this book come out into the world. Um, so it's it's a it's it's great. It's really great. That is, yeah. that's, that's really amazing. I mean, listen, you have a lot of jobs, you know, it, it sounded so busy, you know, you're an artist, you're a writer, you're a teacher, you're an organizer, you're a fundraiser, and most importantly, you're a mother, which you kind of liken that to your book, like you, children and books. And so talk to us a little bit about when, when did you know you wanted to become a writer? Mm. Uh, well, I always was an artist and mm. I spent most of my life pursuing that being uh, a mostly painter doing drawings. There's a couple of my things back there. Oh, um, and that's always been my main pursuit since I was a child. I, I think at the age of nine, I, I saw a painting by Mary Cassatt mm. and it was like one of the paintings by a woman in the museum I was in. And mm. I was like, oh, we can also make paintings. Yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> we can um, do things. <laughs> then, we can do things. And then uh, my parents took me to the Barnes Collection, which is in Philly. And at the time, it was in its original place, and only a few people could go in a month. Um, and my parents brought me out there. And on the way, I don't know when they realized this or they decided to tell me, but I was eight years old. And they're like, oh, by the way, you have to be 12. So if anybody asks you, just say you're 12. And so I've been there before. There. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I've and been like there the other way. <laughs> right. Where we go to a buffet and my mom's like, you tell, tell them that you're on the children's menu still. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm walking around here, this grown child, talking about, I'm 12 and under. And they're like, what? No. So I've been the opposite way. Right. So I get it. I totally get it. Right. The flip side. The flip side. Right. So I'm walking around and I, I, of course, I wander off by myself because it's like, you know, the late 70s and parents didn't seem to care where we were. And so. <laughs> I'm wandering off alone, and this very tall guard comes over, and he's like, how old are you? And I said, I'm 12. And he's like, okay. Question mark 12. And I was like, yes. I get to lie. I get to look at art. My parents aren't going to be mad at me. Like, I'm in. So that was my pursuit. And I I always wrote really for myself, you know, journaling and, you know, angsty teenage poetry um, that I would barely ever show anybody at all. But I always loved to write. Mm-hmm. But I think I didn't feel like I could call myself a writer because I was like on another lane, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was about uh, eight years ago, a friend of mine from college had become a literary agent. He was working with writers and artists doing um, kids books. Mm-hmm. And he suggested, why don't you think about writing a book about your dad and your experience for maybe for like a, a teenage audience? And I was like, no, that's no, that's preposterous. That's not what I do. And he's like, I think you, I think it could be really cool. It could have drawings. It have. So it was really my friend Kevin's idea. And um, but I was so taken with it. And it's definitely a story that I have held in my heart for a couple decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I uh, felt like it could be a really interesting pursuit to try to tell the story to a younger generation, teach them about the AIDS epidemic mm-hmm. and tell it through the lens of a girl lo- losing her father. Um, because there are those stories out there, but they're often not what we think of when we think about the AIDS epidemic and uh, people with AIDS, we don't think of them as parents necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and, and as we all know, that's obviously not the case. Um, and so I really felt compelled to do that, like almost having that mission yeah. to, um, to teach teach the children, so to speak, and then also to learn a new art form. You know, I'm in my fifties, and to learn a new art form as an artist is it's out of your comfort zone, but it's exciting. <sighs> it felt like oh, it would you know it's sort of like if I learned how to surf right now, or if I learned to I don't know, glide. It was just like that sounds terrifying. I think I'm going to give it a try. So, um, so that's kind of where it started. And then I just kept writing and writing and I just loved it. And um, and it was a really kind of beautiful way to reconnect with my dad who died in 1996. So it's been a, a while. <laughs> and um, it, yeah, that's so I, I, I don't know that until now I felt like I could call myself a writer, but mm. I've always loved to write and I've always loved words and I've always loved talking and, you know, like there's, I used to put a lot of words in my paintings and I get into a lot of trouble um, with teachers who didn't understand because it was almost like separation of church and state. Like you can't have words and pictures on top of each other. Like, no, right. but <laughs> I never, I never saw it that way. So um so yeah, I'm I'm officially a published author as of Tuesday. Yeah, that is so amazing. That's got to feel amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, it's, Can you tell it's us incredible. A little bit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your dad? Yeah, um, my dad's name was Richard, and uh, here's a picture of him. I keep by my desk. This is Aww. me. And, um, I was about five years old. Mm. I love that. And um, 
Yeah, he was a really funny, funny guy. Very, um, very tall. He was six foot four. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, he had been a lawyer and um, not unlike the story of Philadelphia, the movie, mm -hmm. uh, he mysteriously left his law firm when he told them that he was positive. So he, uh, you know, and he, I don't think he ever really wanted to get into the details with me, but he no longer practiced law after that. Mm. But he did a lot of mediation work and volunteer work for some AIDS organizations here in Philly in the last few years of his life. And um, yeah, he was very loving and very supportive of me and, and my pursuits and my wanting to be an artist. He thought it was like fabulous and amazing and he never sort of questioned like how the hell are you gonna make any money you know he right kind of believed in me i remember going to see the whitney biennial with him in like 1993 and there was an artist in it who was 23 which is how old i was then and i said oh dad this guy's 23 and he looks at me he's like well, when are you gonna be in this show i was like <laughs> but it was just that kind of you know a uh, very unconditional uh beautiful fatherly supportive love so um yeah that's a little bit about him he was a great cook too and he loved opera and oh. he loved Stephen Sondheim and um books and history and we used to go to the opera together when I was in college and he'd always send me like a little blurb from the newspaper mm -hmm. about or like Xerox like a piece of you know thing that would sort of the synopsis of the mm -hmm. opera because you never know what's going on in an opera right yeah. and so prepared because he was like you know we're going to the opera and of course I never read it and I would go and I would sit with him at lunch before the opera and be like so can you tell me the story he's like I sent you the thing I was like can you tell me the story though I really want you to tell me oh that's like stories from your dad like a bedtime story yeah, exactly. <laughs> right about people like throwing themselves off cliffs right because uh, <laughs> operas are always tragic <laughs> Always tragic, and you just be like, "Yo, that's that's a lot." I mean, but that what's not tragic is the beautiful story about your dad, like yeah. the memories that you've held, and you're able to recount those specific moments of like knowing he's providing you the information. But you're like, "I want to hear from you," and I think that that you know, when you think about it, there are things when you call your parents, no matter how old you get, and you still ask them for help or advice on things that like technically you you know how to do. Anytime I call my mom and ask her how to make a certain recipe, she's given me the recipe about a hundred times, and every. <laughs> single time she said i already gave you that but then she will still walk me through the recipe on the phone and i know that that has to that that still gives them that because i said this the other day we were talking about something i was like parents still want a parent like no matter how old their child get they can be in their 50s and if your parents are you're blessed and they're still alive and they're in their 70s 80s they still want to parent you they're still like what you what's going on so it's beautiful i have that with my i mean my daughter's 16 now and like the moments when she wants to come and like give me hugs or sit on my lap, I'm like, yes, please. Oh, yes. You know, you admit their little bodies and their little like it's you know very visceral. Yeah. <laughs> That's so beautiful. They grow quick and they and they love. We love to move out. <laughs> we love to move out until we check our bank account shortly after moving out and say, I'm coming home. <laughs> like, I'm no. doing my laundry, right? Um, laundry. I'm Does right. your daughter take after you? Is she an artist? Um, she does like to paint, but I don't think she'd call herself an artist. Mm. Um, yeah, I think she's still kind of figuring it out. She's a great athlete. She's going to be captain of her lacrosse team this year. Yay. Well, congrats to her. Yeah. yeah, she started playing lacrosse out of nowhere in ninth grade. She's like, I think I'm going to try the lacrosse team. I'm like, okay, I'll play lacrosse in your life, but okay. I'm like, go ahead, girl. <laughs> 
And she got on the team as a freshman and they won the city championship the last two years. Wow. And then she, she oh, that's awesome. Awesome. so she, I think she's a very gregarious, very social, which I am too. And I think that runs in my family. My mom's the same way. So, um, yeah, she's a lovely, lovely kid. And it's, it's like an honor to watch her grow. It's so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. Aww. So you've had a lot of success and, you know, I want to know what have been some obstacles that mm -hmm. you've encountered along the way as, you know, being an artist. Oof, so many. I mean, one was just getting like, as an artist, getting close enough to the, the sort of art world, like the gallery world, um, mm -hmm. and kind of realizing I had spent all this time with that as my goal in mind. And I think this happens, you know, when you're in your your 20s and then you get into your 30s and you're like, oh, is this what? this party looks like because i didn't know from the outside it looked a lot better right, <laughs> yeah. right. is this what i want to do and it's sort of just as you're also realizing who you actually are because yeah. you're trying on all hats and you're trying on all the outfits when you're in mm -hmm. your 20s and different friends and different boyfriends and girlfriends and all of that but um little by little you kind of like start to like it's like the the, the dust settles mm -hmm. with yourself mm -hmm. And so I kind of came to that in my 30s that like, I'm not sure I love this world that I have worked really hard to get into, you know, the gallery yeah. system and artists. And and it's funny because I, I sort of, I just spent, you know, eight years making this book and it only dawned on me like yesterday that a lot of um, what the, the character, the main character of the book kind of comes to this understanding by the end of the kind of artist she wants to be and it's not one who's sort of just solo alone in a room just showing in galleries and museums but she wants to be of the world and in the world and with the world she wants to be more of an activist she wants to be doing things that feel meaningful to her mm -hmm. and I was like oh that's what I just did <laughs> like it just I don't know and I hadn't put those things together that I also had an idea in my mind early mm -hmm. in my life where I thought an artist was supposed and then I got to that place and I didn't feel it didn't feel right to me it didn't feel like I belong there I think plenty of people feel great belonging and can find beautiful belonging there but I didn't and um little by little I sort of like slowly backed to the door mm -hmm. and kind of was like what else is there in the world to do um and I, what other ways can I be an artist I mean how else can I make art I I moved back to Philly in 2009 and I no longer was with a gallery. Um, and that's often a thing that like you're with a gallery, so they schedule you a show and then you work on the show and then you have the show and then you wait a couple of years and you have another show and that's kind of the rhythm. So when you're not in that, you have to really hustle and go find other places to show. Mm. I, like, I don't really want to do that anymore. And so I started making commissioned portraits um, for people and as my daughter was in elementary school I knew all these other parents and so I had this great potential clientele and I was making all these portraits and it was gorgeous work because I already had an audience I already mm -hmm. had a buyer mm -hmm. and then I worked with the client and I would go to their house I would take photos of the kid usually it was their kid and my daughter would come with me and she was really she's a very funny person and so she would stand behind me and like make funny faces and like dance around and just make the kid genuinely like laugh and, and mm -hmm. joyful and these beautiful photos of them, not just smiling for a camera, but cracking up and just Aww. being so happy. 
And then I'd make these paintings and then the people would love them and then they put them on their wall. And I was like, there's no middleman. This is great. This is just a kind of a, a perfect little system. So that was one way that I was able to find a way to make art that worked for me and felt meaningful to me. Um, so that was one obstacle. And then another's just been time, you know, having enough time. Yeah. yeah. Time is the one thing I feel no one has. Our arch and nemesis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes time and money go hand in hand. Uh, yeah, they, yes. just, they, they they literally be shaking hands and high five and being like, "How can we screw up this?" Not high fiving. Yeah, because they're like, <laughs> "How can we screw up this right. person's life?" And, and laughing, like, at you. Yeah. laughing for yeah. sure, cackling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Or you don't have the time because you're making the money, right? Or trying and to make the money and you're still not you making the enough. Money, then you got to spend mm-hmm. your time figuring out how to make the money. And yeah, I talked yeah. to a friend of mine uh, similarly on this who was an artist and they were like I finally got to the point in my career where I was making enough money I thought for the world and I came out to the world and everything had went up in price so I was back behind <laughs> again and that that's literally what happens it's, it's like, like you I, can't keep up it's like I just started making this much a year and it's like oh everything went up while I was yep. struggling to make this so yep. let me go back out there and try again so it's just like a <laughs> hamster wheel of trying and it's just like you're never gonna mm-hmm. have it so yeah yeah and I had my ba- I had my baby on my own and so I had to work full time and parent all the time and running wow. around picking up daycare and, you know, doing all of that. Um, and then you're just exhausted and then you got to take out the trash and then you have to make the food for the next day and then you got to go to work all day. And, you know, so making <laughs> under the circumstances is, is hard, yeah. but it's also like, I can't imagine my life without it in some way, you know, yeah. so if I spend a week and I haven't written something or drawn something, I get just itchy and weird. Yes. Yeah. That artist yeah. itch. Yeah. Going a little like yeah. stir crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is. So I would sit in bed at night and draw like while watching a movie or, you know, just to do something. And um, I have this little tiny room that I'm in. It's like the, my studio in my house. So that's nice. I had like a oh, little. That is space. nice. It's great when you're able to create that space where you don't have to do it in your room or any other place. And it's like you have a studio. You can always make that your artistic space. So that's really lovely. I love the character of Danielle um, in your book because I do feel like, you know, reading a little, you know, listen to audio uh, book of it, Ashley and I uh, listen to snippets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um she she does come across very strong and it does seem like it has listening to you talk about your journey it seems like it has a lot of your characteristics in there was that always your intention to to do that or how or did you draw from many different strong women in your life to create danielle um no i mean mostly i was sort of basing it on me because i was trying to tell the story that i knew to tell Mm -hmm. no and i um there's a lot of people are asking me like what's real and what's not real and it's 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 hard to answer that question because it's I, it would take me like two hours, right? Mm-hmm. To go through to, like, like break it down. This actually happened, that didn't happen, but it kind of happened that way. But then I had, so it's kind of like I, I went into the pantry of my mind and I just like took out all these ingredients. And so like some characters are an amalgam of, of various people I knew or just kind of who I wanted that character to be combined with people I knew. But Danielle was mostly based on myself. Um, and I was, uh, I was able to go back and read a lot of my journals because I've always kept journals from the time I was in high school. And my partner was like, why do you keep all these journals? You have so many fucking journals. And I was like, no, no, like they're good. They're my life. I have to keep them. (laughs) And so, and then I was like, look, I'm using them. And so I reread them. And um, that was kind of a really fun, weird 
a visitation to my own past, um, but it helped mm -hmm. me sort of, it, I, I got a lot of insight into just how sort of obsessive and all the insecurity in like younger years of just expressing like just confusion and not knowing who you are or not thinking that you're this or that enough and, um, mm -hmm. you know, wanting so much something and then it happens and it's so disappointing and just like all the drama. And then I did find the, mm -hmm. the um, one journal that was around the time that my father told me that he was HIV positive. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be good stuff. I'm going to like totally find some great stuff in here that's going to pertain to this story. And the entire thing is about boys and art. <laughs> one word about my father. And I was like, wow, that really is very exemplary of a self. <laughs> I relate. I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> mm hmm. Yeah. Like you, you said, all the drama. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us like a quick no spoiler synopsis of your book? Yes. So it's about a girl, Danielle, who's 17 and she is in her senior year of school and she very much wants to be an artist and she has her uh, mindset that she's going to go to RISD, the Rhode Island School of Design. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the book begins, she is just about to start senior year. And um, she has a gay father who's come out a few years prior and um, she goes to a boarding school and they, uh, so she goes back and forth between Philadelphia where he is and the boarding school in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, she, over the course of the book, um, her father's community and um, is little by little more and more um, being encroached upon by HIV and AIDS. And um, so she has to sort of contend with that and begin to understand what that actually means. And then it's really for her a political kind of awakening, mm -hmm. um, becoming more aware of, you know, when the government makes choices, it's going to impact people's lives in very direct ways, um, which I think when you're younger, you're not as aware of. And then part of maturity is be beginning to understand the systematic nature of things and um, and the political sort of uh, climate. It's set in 1991, mm -hmm. um, which I, I chose because it's sort of the, the height, like AIDS had been around for quite some time, but it, it was kind of reaching a crescendo at that point. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so she, she, while she's learning and growing and dealing with all of this loss, she's also beginning to understand the place she wants to occupy as an artist in the world and understanding how artists are involved in activism and learning more about artists like David Warnerovich, who, you know, very much was outspoken about his political beliefs and, um, a huge activist and and very much moved things forward and and she's able to start to see the way an artist can have an impact on the world and at the same time finding her community and finding what that means to her um so that's kind of her journey wow i definitely think everyone you guys please go check out the terrible truth thing it, it's really it's it's really good, and I really love, Jenny, that you really did speak from your heart and spoke from what you know, because a lot of people, when they write, you know, they say they speak from what they know, but sometimes they don't, and sometimes they come off talking about things, like, that they don't really have much knowledge on, and it's really beautiful that mm -hmm. you're able to do this, and for your dad, I love what you said earlier yeah. about how you feel like you became 
closer to your dad by doing this project and I think that that's a beautiful thing because sometimes you do find closure in my opinion like sometimes later in life you said it was a long time ago that he passed away maybe there was some type of closure that helped you with this and I mean you'll never have closure from a parent leaving you you mm -hmm. never will but I feel like you you I feel the lightness in you with this yeah for sure I mean I think it was very cathartic mm -hmm. and very um, very moving exhausting emotionally mm -hmm. but yeah. very fulfilling too and i know that he'd be proud of me and all of that but it also Absolutely. feels like you know for me i i think a few years after he died i found i began to find ways to sort of transform what has had been tragic for me into yeah. something useful i became an aids educator and i started talking about high schools and talking about my experience and actually literally using it to help kids understand how to protect themselves and how the the virus worked and so for me that's kind of what the book is as well as transforming this sad situation that i went through but making it something beautiful that hopefully will be helpful to other people yeah yeah so is that that's how so beautiful. the is it collage with the children of lesbians and gays everywhere is that how you got involved yes. with that Hold on, my cat is scratching at the door. And it's just, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Bring him in, and we have another guest. <laughs> no, it's the same cat. She went out that way, and then she too. She doesn't realize she. Could oh no! I meant way. the cat was gonna replace you because she said it's my turn to talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm up. I can answer that question. <laughs> Definitely, collage is. I was involved with collage um, for a few years, working at uh, Family Week, which mm -hmm. is a big family sort of camp and convention that happens in Provincetown every year for gay families. Mm -hmm. um, and that was uh, 19, oh, I'm sorry, 2001 to 2004, five. Um, but before that, I worked with an organization in New York, which was called Friends Indeed. And it was a support group organization for really anyone dealing with a life challenging illness, but mm -hmm. mostly people with HIV and AIDS. Um, and I, was I found my way to them. Um, I just happened to meet someone who was an AIDS doctor and um, he mentioned it to me and it was before my father died and it was incredibly, incredibly, I mean, sometimes I, like, I don't know what would have happened to me if I hadn't had that place. It was a support group. It, everything was free. It was beautiful. You'd go to these big meetings and everybody would sort of you know, have a chance to speak. And there was one moderator who would kind of do these mini therapy sessions, mm -hmm. but she did it in a way that was so universalizing everyone's experience. So if they got too into the nitty gritty detail, she'd be like, no, 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 no. We're not talking about what color your sister's sweater was. How do you feel? What are right. you going through? What is happening with you right now? And just, and it was such good sort of emotional training for me as well. And about four years afterwards, my I had a friend who told me that he was HIV positive. And I said, well, you've got to get your ass to friends indeed, because before you have your crisis, go to this place so you have a community and you have a place to go. So I brought him to a meeting and they announced that they were doing education work. And that if anybody wanted to do that, they could um, come to the meeting, whatever, a few days later. And some little light bulb went off in my head. And so I go to the meeting and it's all a bunch of men who are HIV positive and then me. And so everybody's going around introducing why they're interested. And they get to me and I was like, um, I'm not sure maybe I'm not supposed to be here. And they're like, <laughs> Jenny, they all knew me. I mean, I had been going there for years. 
and and they were like no just tell us why you want to do it and so i spoke for a bit and there's a scene in the in the book where she goes to an act up meeting mm-hmm. um danielle and so i used a little bit of what i experienced at that meeting where i began to talk about my father and that i wanted to find a way to transform my experience and you know, I just like talk, 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 talk. And then I look up and like, everybody's crying. <laughs> and I was like, wait, should I not be here? You guys are like, no, you should absolutely be here. <sighs> so um, then I began teaching in the schools and, and um, talking to teenagers and, and it was a great experience. And I mean, the, the students were excited and happy. I, I think a lot of the students also had family members who were probably positive or had died. So they could relate to my story in a way that they couldn't necessarily relate to the person I was sitting next to, you know, um, and that was great. It was it was really great. So I, I got to do work on in both of those realms um, with collage. I was working with kids of gay families and with friends, friends. Indeed, I was talking to high schoolers about HIV and AIDS prevention. Wow, That's fabulous. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wish. We we never had anything like that. No, we never had that. And, and um, so Adam and I are both. I mean, actually, too, but she moved around. Like Adam and I are both from Texas. So being in Texas, we I never had anything, and and no, and I was from like an from East Texas, so immersed. But I never had a place where I could go and talk about my my problems of being gay and our school counselor you know very very religious so going to her about that it the questions felt like it was more like oh are you sure you're gay like like how can we bring jesus into this to help you and not to help me in the way of to help me understand myself but maybe help me go back the other way and so we don't we didn't really have that and you know i think that that and i hear that that's changed at my high school now which i'm so fortunate to hear that's like good. and 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 i know the counselor there now has been very good about doing that so i hear that's changed but you know it wasn't always like that and it definitely felt like there's no i don't understand you know when we're in health class learning about sex we didn't learn about gay sex we didn't learn right. about how that no. works it was just like mm, women can get pregnant and men are the cause of that sometimes, and that's it. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Right, which is so remarkable that that's it, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and when you were in school, it's not like, I mean, I, I was in school earlier than you in time, and that was definitely the narrative it was like, don't get pregnant. Yeah. Period. But yet everybody yeah. around us was right. getting, most of my classmates and, and schoolmates were getting pregnant. I mean, we had a lot of high school pregnancies. Like that was mm-hmm. happening because people were discovering themselves and I don't feel like they had the proper tools or someone like you mm-hmm. to come in and say like, you know, our health teacher, I always tell people this, our health teacher was like the football coach who would just right. get everybody in the class and all the boys would be gathered around his desk watching football and the rest of us would be kind of just over there just like, well... Oh my God. Chilling. We got a free period. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I think a lot of teachers, I mean, a lot of people don't know how to talk about sex. Yeah. But a lot of mm-hmm. people who are, you know, public high school teachers are certainly not trained to do that either. Yeah. And they, I, I remember the look on the teachers' faces. They were like, phew, thank God I don't have to talk about blowjobs. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, let's talk about blowjobs. Let's, let's talk, talk about, about what happens with the semen. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about mucus yeah. membranes. This is what they look like. You know? I hear I that, know Jenny. What... I've been thinking about writing the book myself because I. <laughs> but, I but yours will be a little raunchy. <laughs> no, but it will be, but it'll get the job done. You know what, Jenny? We might need to partner up and write a book together. I see it coming. All right. 
called Blow right. Pop or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. The, 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 we're, we're working on the name. It's, oh, my uh, God. And it can be like a picture book like with pop art. We, oh, yeah. yeah, we Ooh. could do it and use suckers in the place of, you know what? We might be on to something. Ooh, okay. We'll, yeah, we'll I, I, I feel something brewing. I feel something. I feel something. <laughs> I like it. Cool. I love great. it. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us. Before we let you go, we like to ask all of our guests, what does pride mean to you? I think pride is is existing without shame. Mm-hmm. And I think it also is belonging, like really feeling the, the, the sort of loving embrace of belonging and feeling really good about who you know you are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. I love that, Jenny. You That's continue. Beautiful. It is mm-hmm. so beautiful, and you continue being a long line of guests that's come on. It's so brave to be telling your story through this character. And everyone, please go out and read this terrible true thing. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Audible. You can get it on Kobo. Anywhere, Barnes and Noble. Anywhere they sell books, go out, mm-hmm. get this book. Support Jenny. Support her art, and support this beautiful story. And to your father, Richard, I know he's smiling down on you. We love you, Jenny. And please come back and hang out with us sometime. Let's do hot topics. Let's yeah, just sit here and chill all day and do a hot topics okay, episode. Yeah. Yes, and talk about that's it. That's my favorite subject, my dear. Thank you. And Jenny, one last thing. Tell everyone where they can find you on social media, please. So they can follow oh, you. Oh yeah. So um at Jenny Laden Art on Instagram and I'm on TikTok, Jenny Laden Art and uh Facebook, Jenny Laden and my website is jennyladen.com perfect you awesome. heard it here folks make here, sure you yeah. follow her make sure you check up and see if we're going to get a sequel to her <laughs> book because that would be amazing so we'll see you next time jenny thank you so much for joining right. us and we love you very sure. much thanks thanks, thanks. bye bye, bye. <laughs> hey pride fam We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to email us at pridetheseries at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at at pridethepodcast. Can't wait to hear from you all, and remember to celebrate Pride 365. We're back! And we're back. That was so wonderful talking with Jenny. Yeah, her, her story with her father is so sweet and so moving, and I'm glad she was able to memorialize him through her book yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of what she said was so beautiful mm-hmm. yeah and she's teaching the children and that's very important I, I love that moment mm-hmm. that we were able to talk about not the moment necessarily about writing a book about the blowjob which I can't wait till we do that because I think you all are going to be educated <laughs> and Lisa Renna hear it here first I'm going to outsell your fucking book because um, she wrote also, a book about blowjobs pop art Darrell, she's got to put top art in it. Oh yeah, no, 100%. So we, we'll do that. We, we're going to do all of that. I, But I, what I love is, you know, Adam, when I talked about Adam and I, how we were in East Texas, well, I was in East Texas, West Texas, like we didn't have those conversations growing up in health class about sex because people were so afraid to talk about sex. It was like, yeah. we know that women had babies, men may or may not have something to do with that. And that's really oh, no. it. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that was really it. I mean, I had a lot of my girlfriends, because um, I was friends obviously with the girls and, and the, the girls. Girls. Yeah, and and they had and they had to figure out periods and stuff kind of on their own or with their mothers, you know. And and for mm-hmm. a couple of them that didn't have their mom around, they kind of had to figure it out on their own and kind of do their own research because health class, which was supposed to do that. And I always wondered why they did not have a health teacher that could either teach 
both co-ed, a, a co-ed class or a health teacher that would split people up and say, we're going to have the boys in this class and the girls in this class. Not that I think they need to be split because each should learn about the other so they're not insensitive as they're growing up and getting older. But they didn't do that. We had a football coach who said, let's watch plays in the back of the room. And the gay and the girls and Darrell will sit up there and like talk. And not the laugh. girls and Darrell. I mean, the, the girls, girls and, Darrell, and Darrell. And then like the other like two loner kids that no one went to hang out with that were boys. Oh. Were they yeah. gay? No, no. Hmm. One of them was named. Um, Game for them. One of them was named Michael Lee. He's dead now, unfortunately. And the other one was named Cameron Long, and he's dead now. Okay, cool. Oh my gosh! Oh my goodness. Whoa. Darrell, you've lost too many of your people in your class already. Yeah, and ex-boyfriends. Yeah. Hmm. But I'm here. You are here, and I'm you're here. queer. I'm here, and I'm queer, and I'm still thriving. Um, as my great grandmother said. Just because I die, you don't mean you can get in the casket with me. It's my time to shine. You wait for your time. So I'm going to continue to wait on my time. Okay. So I'm good to go. Okay. I got a question, y'all. About what? If I were on the street and somebody approached me and said, can I have your number? And I said no. And they assaulted me. What would you do? It's on site. It's on site. It's on site. It's on site. But for me, he wouldn't even be able to get... The chance to hit you. The arm up. Yeah. 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 Well, well, not even a, arm up. It's the tone. Once you pick the brick up. Right. Like and, it's a wrap. Well, it's the, also the tone in your voice because, like, I've been in plenty of situations um, with guys. I mean, there, there was situations. I mean, I remember a guy, like, was he, he obviously didn't pick up no brick or nothing. But I, there's been several times guys have tried to talk to Ashley. Like, I remember that. But this guy, I think, was gay. It was outside of therapy. And I was like, you don't talk to my friend that way. Like, and I was like, go. Like, there, oh, yeah. There's been several times where it has happened in my presence. I'm like, please don't get crazy because, like, I don't want to do this. But, like, and now, because I wear glasses, I have to take my glasses off before I, like, interact. And I feel like that's the surefire way to tell that something's about to go down. When someone takes their glasses off, it's like, I'm about to, like, yeah. wild out. So, like, you better figure it out in, like, two seconds. And, you know, Adam's a big fan of taking his glasses off. The old Adam. <laughs> yeah, I was like, not anymore. When I got into a bar fight, I, you know, I got sideswiped. My glasses whoo, whoo, flew off. Luckily, mm-hmm. I was able to, like, find them. But... Were they broken? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Oh, that's no. nice. They weren't broken. Yeah, but Can this I whole... Just... Oh. No, I just wanted to like for our listeners who don't know what we're talking about because we're talking about bricks flying and stuff. This is about the woman. Her name was Ro Bashi, I believe it was. It's pronounced. Um, and um, a man went up to her and asked for her phone number. She said no, and so he proceeded to pick up a brick. And there was a, other men around, and nobody did anything. And he hit her over the side of the head with a brick. And none of the men that then- were round there didn't anything and he the man who hit her was able to get in a car and drive away and that's that one of the men who was a bystander was like he wrote he made a tiktok like victim shaming her yeah and he was like what are we supposed to do i was like i don't know maybe like help stop him from assaulting her stop him like i don't understand all the police anything except for sit on your ass and watch well and then get your dumb ass on tiktok later right well the thing is right now we are living in a world where men want to second guess women because they're like what did the woman do in order to garner that let me just explain something to you and break Mm -hmm. this down 
Nobody, especially a woman, deserves to be hit in the face with a brick. Now, with there anything. are with, with anything. Now, when we get into exceptions of racist and someone attacking you now, if this is a racist or a homophobe or someone coming after you and you need to protect yourself and all you see laying around is happen to be a brick. But let me explain also, there's more things laying around than a brick. In order to get a brick, you need to be in a place where they're doing construction and a brick is there. There's always sticks laying around. There's always like pole there's other things to use your hands there's other things to use and and i think the best case in those scenario it is to to get away from that because you don't want to be involved in something where you feel you have to push yourself to that and i hate that men are in this place where they're like well what did the woman do i feel like we're going back in time where it's if women did not wear provocative clothing they wouldn't get raped because that's that narrative yeah. yeah and so there are a lot of unfortunately other black women and men yeah. who are victim shaming and there is this one i went down a hole today there's mm-hmm. this woman on tiktok i think her name is erica lachey um and she went on this whole thing First, she starts off like, you know, a man should never put his hands on a woman. She was like, however, you know, she was there's like, no I, however, there's no but. That's the end of the sentence. Yeah. But she proceeds on and was like, I have like four brothers and I have a father and they have all taught me, um, you know, not to be in certain places at certain times and never to no. be high and drunk in certain places no. and in public and blah, 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 blah. No. And she tried to make this analogy of a bodyguard and she was like, your protector, in order for your protector to help you, you have to relinquish some control and you need to be controlled. And I always listen to them even when they're not around. And that has kept me safe because I'm listening. She kept being like, I'm listening to my protector and my bodyguard she's insane everybody's dragging her and then she goes on she was like i don't have any sons but my future sons i will teach them the difference between diamonds and dust and rubies and rocks and she was like and basically she was like uh, rubies and diamonds they're in glass cases and you know they're they're protected and they're valuable and you know dust and rocks you can find that on the street So, you know, I don't want my sons putting themselves in the position to protect dust and rocks. They Mm. should be protecting rubies and diamonds. Well, if they're protecting her, it seems like they're protecting (laughs) dust and rocks. I mean, (laughs) Uh, uh, right. And I'm just like, girl, you are contradicting yourself. You are basically going to teach your sons to put different values on women according based on looks and and yeah and objectifying them like if we're taking this analogy at face value then you're making them inanimate objects Mm -hmm. and you're like the pretty ones can be in glass cases and you must protect them Mm -hmm. the other ones i.e mostly black women they're dust and rocks and you know Uh, uh, yeah and she was like if they if a woman doesn't respect herself then how can you expect a man to respect her Spect this is uh, them. All yeah. nonsense. It's this nonsense. Listen, uh, there. It's it's kind of crazy because they're like there's a lot of people online, unfortunately, that are agreeing with her. But then there's a lot of people online that are dragging her, and they're just like, "You make no sense," and this is insane. What you're saying, like the whole thing, <laughs> like is you're insane. the problem. And there was you're a post problem. that um the young lady who was hit with the brick she um posted saying happy pride like 
uh, something about pride and, and loving ladies and then a gentleman like reposted that on X or Twitter or whatever and he said this is who y'all protecting oh out of here because immediately the moment and, and that's the thing listen first of all when it's a woman especially a black woman woman of color you know the world immediately wants to go against and ask what did they do XYZ yeah. has she been a white woman I don't think that would have been the case but here's no there would have been uproar right. outrage and, and, if it was a white exactly and here's something even bigger uh, no there wouldn't because he would have already been in jail Correct, but that but too. but something yeah. even bigger. The moment the LGBTQ part comes into it, whether it's her supporting it or her saying that she's like queer or whatever, the moment that because I think that's actually what it was is that she's queer and that she that's why she was like, oh, I don't want you because I'm not interested in you sexually. So the moment that that comes into play then you then become even more or less valued and you become even more, like she said, dirt and rocks because it's just like, oh, because it's like, what about her does she not value? Should she have given him her number? And it's crazy. Right. And, and to ask you and Io, Ashley, both of mm-hmm. you, this question, I saw a woman online and said, it's very sad, she said, but I actually provide my real phone number to guys anytime they ask. And because a lot of times guys, but for that reason, because they said nowadays guys will be like, well, let me call you. And I've noticed even being a gay man, when a guy gives me his phone number or vice versa, he's like, wait, wait, hold on. Let me call you real quick. Let me me, like make sure you get it because they want to make sure you're giving them the real number. So have you two ever felt like you've been in a position like that where you're like, I need to give you my real number and I'll block you later on if I need to. Uh, What I normally do is I turn my phone off and I'm like, I mean, you can call it, but it's dead. Oh, that's a good one. That's, yeah. that's good. That's a good way to do that. I've, I've honestly done like multiple situations. Like I've given my number to a guy that I really didn't want to. I've also given out a fake number to a guy that I didn't want to. And then, you know, there have been times where I'm just like, no, I'm good. Well, there's been... It depends on the situation and how I feel like this guy might react, unfortunately. Right. I mean, well, there's Google number. A lot of people were saying, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of people were in this lady's replies and they were like, one thing that we as women have done is giving Google numbers. And and, and those, you know, because you can change those, like, constantly, apparently. So she's like, we provided those because, you know, you don't ever want to be in that position. And unfortunately, there is a lot more yes women in the world where it's like, respect that king, respect that man, quote unquote. And that's what's so heartbreaking yeah well we have you know women like this woman that was on tiktok and talking about how her brothers and her father have taught her to be a certain way so women are conditioned to feel like we have to bend and cater to men's like fragile egos in order not to be harmed or raped which is insane in this day and age that that is still going on and you know they do that so they can say that if you are attacked and raped that it was your fault because you didn't follow the rules right but i'm just like listen if they're because i saw i was going down my rabbit hole and there was like this one man that responded he was like listen if a man is planning on disrespecting a woman it doesn't matter what the setting is it doesn't matter what time it is it doesn't Mm. matter if you have other women with you or or other people Mm. if they have plans on disrespecting a woman or violating a woman they're gonna do it regardless so i'm just like yeah okay what if she he has the capability of throwing a brick at her head so what if she would have gave him her number and then he would be like, oh, okay, can I get a kiss or something? And then she would have said no. Yeah. And then he would have, you know, it's just like, how far is too far? Oh, when do what? I have to stop saying yes yeah. for it to oh, be like, what? okay, right. you know? Uh-huh. It's all crazy. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, though, that the things I've been watching on social media has been mostly like 
queer allies being like, this is nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we don't I've believe seen a lot it. of that. We don't believe in it. We're just like, what are you, what are we, what are we actually debating and talking about here? Because, I mean, because you like, know, like people don't value women and then they especially don't value black women. So it's just like, there's always going to be this like, well, it's your fault. I mean, well, you're Dustin rocks, you know? Well, you know, what's upsetting <laughs> right. for me personally, when black men don't value black women because mm-hmm. we are seeing it play out in real time on Real Housewives of Atlanta. I don't know if you guys are paying attention. Ralph Pittman, um, who was married to Drew Sedora uh, Pittman, he and the way that he is letting um, his unverifiable cousin Courtney disrespect her is so crazy. But I have a theory and then I want to get everyone else's opinion. Mm-hmm. So Courtney is actually from Tampa and she moved from Tampa. Well, if you guys remember a couple seasons ago, Ralph went off for a few days and told Drew that he was in Tampa where it was later revealed that he did cheat and he did something in Tampa. But, you know, they worked through it in XYZ. Now, who do we know from Tampa? Well, Courtney. And Courtney is not really his cousin. She ended up saying, like, she's his cousin because her uncle married his aunt's brother. Girl, I'm going to stop you right there. He's fucking her. No, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's just like they, Courtney is the other woman. Problem solved. Co- Courtney is the other woman. But how juicy is that? That is very juicy. And I must say, housewives, they are trying to be housewives again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like uh, the premiere of Salt Lake. Yeah. How they brought in. I missed that. How did that go? Okay. Ooh. Well, Tell I'll just let you know this. Mary. I'm, I'm really struggling. Listen, so, I, Mary makes me extremely uncomfortable, she's too. Not a, she's but not a But she's just a friend of the housewives. So she did pop up, but she didn't really add much, to oh, be honest. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Because she makes, like, you know, like, when a cat gets, like, freaked out and it climbs a wall? That's how she makes me feel. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, she makes yeah, me very uncomfortable. Everything out of her mouth is so cringy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. It's really bad. And she has crazy eyes, too. <laughs> yeah. She has crazy yeah. If you guys are curious as to what crazy our eyes are, just Google Mary Cosby. Mary M. Yeah. I mean Mary M. Cosby yeah. literally she's, said she's crazy eyes personified. Mary said who and she lives in the house with her son, uh Robert Jr., with her husband, grandfather, Robert Sr. And she said that Robert Jr. apparently has a girlfriend, but people saying it's his wife, but she don't know. And they're like, you ain't asked him? And she's like, I mean, I ain't had time. And they're like, don't y'all live together? <laughs> she's like, like mm-hmm. I mean, and then they say, where your husband? Yeah, she did. Yeah. And I'm like, how big is your house? And also her husband, she's like, he just got back from, he was like in Las Vegas for like a long time. She said it was great while he was gone. It was like, because you don't want your oh, grandfather. Yeah. Like Mary is wild. Also, they hate each other. They do. Yeah. But Ashley, you were telling them about. Oh, yeah. Wait, so wait. the new housewife that they have cast, she is the former assistant of, um, Oh, I almost Jen said Shaw. Jen. Yeah, I almost said Jenny. Jen Shaw. And apparently, Jen Shaw, like a couple months before she got arrested, had approached this new housewife and was like, do you want to be a millionaire? Just sign this, 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 and this, and, you know, we'll get you set up. And she said a couple months later, Jen was arrested. Or she had reached out to one of her friends that was in the secret mm-hmm, service mm-hmm. and they were like get away from jen shaw she's about to be arrested and then two months later she was arrested and then she was an yeah. eyewitness in her trial so she 
actually helped put Jen Shaw away, and now she's so, on the show. So, so Come back when she. So Jen Shaw was watching the premiere in jail. That's been a a TMZ break today. No, we don't trust TMZ. But you know, your girl jail apparently now you get to Facetime folks. Yeah, you get to call. Get like like a phone. You get a phone. Like like, you go get a phone. Yes, ma'am. You do. Uh, I, I, I know firsthand. Not because I was in jail, but I know. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You do. You absolutely do well, get a I phone. I guess I think not everywhere. But not everywhere. Like, but I'm assuming with her being the status of celebrity that she is, she's definitely in a. Well, she's also isn't she in a minimum security? She she's in a place where like she she's okay. She's like in an she, orange she, and new she, black she, facility. She's in an orange and <laughs> new black. She's like in a Teresa Judice situation. Like she's okay. Martha Stewart. Yeah, she's all right. <laughs> So she definitely watched, and apparently she's livid because the whole cast was asked, like, how you feeling without Jen here? And they're like, ooh. Heather was like, ooh, a weight been lifted off my shoulder. Marriage was like, I ain't talked to her. Like, ooh, like, whatever. Like, Lisa's like. But she Bye. stopped talking to them first. Y'all remember at the end of the last season, and and Andy kept asking every all of them that kept going on, and they were like, I have not heard from that bitch in three months. Yeah. Yeah. So well, she cut them off first. And you know how, like, wishy-washy particularly salt lake is yeah yeah like this as soon as you don't show your face around there they all turn on well what's so interesting about salt lake as a whole is like it's based in religion so it's it's very interesting but um yeah so definitely you guys definitely check out bravo i think that the housewives are trying to turn themselves around but we are exposing men for their bad behavior now this one hurts that i'm about to bring up because he was my high school crush i've been in love with him a long time I actually was talking to Ashley because I went and saw their, the Jonas Brothers concert, and I was actually talking to Ashley about, like, which one of them y'all you think going to get divorced first? And you put your money on Nick and Priyanka. Yeah, and only just, like, not based off anything except age difference, just because I was like, I don't, we don't know enough about them, so I was like, I'll just and say I that. said, I said, no, ma'am. I, I, said, I think he likes it. I th- and I said, no. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, probably. I said, I think it's going to be something. I thought it was a weird combo because, yeah, like Ashley said, the age difference, but I was also like, what do they have in common? Yeah, Nothing. that too. I yeah. think she. I think he likes that she runs him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I. I, I like a, yeah. A mommy Ooh. I Maybe. and I and I love that. I mean, he ain't got to worry about being jealous. Um, but <laughs> I think, still get I, jealous. Yes, I mean, listen. <laughs> I I really do. I, <laughs> Adam turned his camera off. Yeah, all you see is his face. Um, <laughs> get back here, Brayden. But I think right. that I think that um. I wasn't surprised. I said it would be them. I said it would be them, but I was joking because I was hoping that it will be them so he realized he gay and he want me, which, you know, could still happen during the it middle. Still happen. Well, no, your hey, tongue listen, is very powerful, Daryl. My tongue is powerful. Thank you. <laughs> I'll go ahead. And Joe Jonas is going to find out when you put it in his asshole. Now, why I got to do it? <laughs> I, I'm not going to put it in him. Yeah, but I, I'm a bottom, so you already know that that means he's gonna put it in my bottom. I said you should hey, be a top. Some, some ass. Some wait, hold on now. Wait, some, I feel like those bottom. tones should be switched. Yeah, they yeah. should be bottom and they should be top. top. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but hey, wait a minute! Don't fool around because I don't find out the hard way that you find somebody that you think is uh, very effeminate and you say, "Oh, they fit the bottom," and then they come out and they're like, "I'm gonna top your ass," and you're like, "What?" And they say it just the same way I did, bottom, and it's over. <laughs> so, but no, listen, I I do think that overall, 
I, I hope the best for them. It's interesting. I, I love what you said about TMZ because they are the one that's spreading and talking a lot of rumors about them and saying that. And it seems like the narrative is really pushing it on it being her fault. They're saying, well, she realized that she got married too young, that she wanted to party and do X, Y, Z. And she didn't want to raise the kids. Now, let's be very clear. I love JoJo. Please, please, please don't be a step with me. But you did definitely try to date Gigi Hadid when she was 13 years old. And you were a full-grown man. And you and you Wait, waited what? and you waited five years until she turned 18 to start dating her. So let's keep that on the docket. Joe? And that is Joe, Joe, who dated Gigi Hadid, he literally started – he, like, tried to, like – talk to her when she was 13 years old and and literally he waited five it was one of those where he literally was like he talks about like you know i knew her when she was younger but i knew we couldn't date so when she turned 18 we so like it's giving blank check and so like the check did not clear so (laughs) i i hate that but that is the facts and so there are other things coming about joe dating younger women when he's been older and you know, manipulating them and things well, like that. How old is Joe? Joe is. I think he's my. I mean, I actually looked this up the other day because I was trying to see if we're gonna be okay and like. Good. I think he's thirty-five, thirty-four. He is 35, thirty-four, 36? so 34? he's year younger. How old is Gigi now? Gigi Hadid's in her at least her mid twenties. She's twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Hmm. I don't like it. I mean, did y'all see the video of um, Andy Cohen asking Nick Jonas? He's like, you know, which one of the Jonas brothers is the most endowed? And he was like, I plead the fifth. Ooh. And then somebody else was asking Joe, uh, like, which one of y'all is, you know, the biggest? And he was like, <clears throat> oh, there he is over there. And it was to Nick. the older, to Kevin. The older Kevin. To Kevin. Girl, Kevin uh, wishes. The, Kevin ain't got no child. Maybe he's the secret. He's the diamond in the rough. <laughs> Adam has always, what I tell you, Adam has always stand Kevin Jonas because he's like, he don't get no play. Yeah, remember? Because he's the cutest. At the concert. Yeah. Like, because, you know, everybody did their little solo thing, and then Kevin was like, Mm. I ain't got so that. then they started like a chant, like the brothers. They were like Kevin, Kevin. He was just like, oh, oh stop! And I was like, oh, yeah. that's very sweet because they were like, you ain't got. That seems going like on. Some, so to Adam. <laughs> that seems like that. somebody with no song but a big dick. Maybe he'll be in me and Jenny's book. Maybe, maybe. Shit, we'll use him as a pop up. Um, well, guys, listen, thank you for popping up with us today and joining us on this crazy fun podcast. It was a really good day. Listen, watch out for bad men. If you're out there as women, know that us as gay men will protect you. We will not be idiots like these cis straight men that's trying to make excuses. Y'all to do nothing wrong. We will stand by you. Stand What's with crazy you. Is- the pussy they want the pussy exactly and so they they getting further from the pussy as they say it like it's crazy (laughs) they they literally are repelling themselves from the pussy it's like y'all are stupid which surprises no one right um but continue to be safe out there make sure you guys are traveling in packs make sure you know ways to protect yourself there's so many things out there in order to do that for everybody Mm -hmm. not just for women for everybody who feels threatened in situations um make sure you follow me on instagram at i am darrell anthony and Twitter at Darrell Anthony, and it is safe for work again because I don't have a job. So I don't give a fuck what you see. <laughs> okay. Oh, Lord. The tiger's out the cage. The tiger's out the cage. Meow. <laughs> oh, wait. That's not a tiger. That's a cat.
Oh my god. Anyways, <laughs> you can find me Ashley at Ashley Aaron M on all social media and period. That's it. You can find me Adam Andrew Rios at the Adam Rios on Instagram and boxed wine poppy with a zero on X and TikTok. Oh, and uh it's the Adam Rios with a zero also. My bad, I forgot. Ah, yes, with a zero. <laughs> Um, my name's Ioni K. Cummings you can find me at the Fabulous Spencer on Twitter because I told you I'm not calling it that and uh, Instagram oh and Brayden you can find Mr. Brayden Bradley on Instagram and X and that's it right he doesn't use Facebook or TikTok he said Russia he said Russia and children and children yeah (laughs) but you're on Instagram okay Brayden well, you know, everybody's on Instagram now. We pick and choose. Um, and also follow us, Pride to Podcast. You know where to find us. All over the place. And make sure you find and follow uh, Jenny Layden Art um, on Instagram. Uh, that's where most of her stuff is. And then JennyLayden.com, where her social media, on her website, you can find all information there. Guys, thank you for joining us. And we will see you next time. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs>